Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's core conversation. Today, we're going to talk about mean words, (laughs) exaggerated language. And these are phrases like, I hate school. I don't like this. Everyone is mean to me. Phrases that can become super common this time of year as we transition from summer into the school year. I wanted to do it a little bit ahead of the school year because I realize not everybody starts the first week of August like we do, because these can start before school too. And they're really a symptom of what's bubbling underneath. And that can be these strong emotions of nervousness, some anxiousness, um, just unsure about what's coming up. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to talk to you about how to respond to your child in these circumstances to really strengthen that connection and help them understand themselves a little bit better and get more comfortable with these feelings. So let's dive into this core conversation. All right, guys. So we are getting close to the beginning of the school year. And notoriously, around this time of the year, parents will start hearing things like, I don't like school. Everyone is mean to me. No one plays with me. We start getting a lot of pushback. And so I wanted to drop an episode for you to break down some of these phrases because They're tools that you're probably going to need in the near future. So you may want to come back and re-listen once your kids are in school. I know that we start like August 8th and some people don't start till Labor Day. So I wanted to get it out ahead of the earliest starters. We also hear these comments from our children about so many things. So even if your child isn't starting school in August or September, or if it's not right around the corner, you may hear... I don't like it. I hate this. Nobody plays with me. He's mean to me about different activities your child participates in, food, games. So even if your child isn't starting school, I think that this is going to be a really helpful, practical, tactile episode for you. So first, I wanted to break down the classic, I don't like it statements by diving into good old child development. So we are most likely to hear a lot of these statements in early childhood. Around four, five, six is when they can really start expressing these these strong statements. Now we think of language development as 
really just being in that second and third year where our children go through these word explosions. Maybe you even like tuned in to your infants babbling. And then we think, you know, once they're pretty effective communicators, typically around age four, uh, we forget that language development is still happening. But what happens in four, five, and six-ish, right, there's a range, is that children are really developing their sense of self. So really understanding what they like, what they don't like, their preferences. They have stronger opinions, you may have noticed, about things. Their emotions are becoming more granular. Like they're experiencing not just happy, sad, and angry. They're experiencing worry and jealousy, right? So there's more nuanced emotions here with less nuanced language ability. So they have this pretty strong generic vocabulary and oftentimes it's extreme. So I hate this. I hate school. I don't like this. It really misses that nuanced meaning or that nuanced feeling or the experience that they're having as an older child. Plus what's happening is these statements are all very strongly emotionally driven. So their emotions very, still at this age, quickly hijack that brain and their prefrontal cortex is still coming online. And so when we experience strong emotions, we're more likely to be hyperbolic. We're more likely to exaggerate and that's adults and children. So what I like to do is I like to give a common example about adults to really help us understand what this looks like and why it's developmentally appropriate because even adults do this. So let's say the classic example, my husband walks in the door, I'm trying to get dinner on the table. This was really relevant when my kids were much younger with an infant and a toddler and sleep deprived, everything's burning It's witching hour, everybody's melting down and he walks into this scene and he just stands there and I start going in, you never help me. Why are you just standing there? Why am I always the one that has to do this? Okay, so notice that exaggerated language I use, those hyperbolic statements of you never, those absolutes, I always... And then he retorts, well, that's not true. I helped last night. He responds with logic. The situation is probably going to escalate here because my message is not really about tallying up what he does that's helpful, how much he actually helps. My message is actually I am feeling so overwhelmed. I am drowning right now. I need help. Like I'm literally crying out for a lifeline here. Please take the kids into the bathroom for a bath. Is that what I said? No. And y'all, this is a really great, like, hey, PS, not a marriage counselor, not a marriage therapist. This is just a really great effective communication tool in general to really start figuring out what do I actually need here? Because that part of our brain, that self-reflection, that self-awareness, the perspective taking ability, the nuanced languages, those language centers of our brain, they go offline under stress. So often these 
big statements we hear from our children, just like we will give as an adult, are a stress behavior. Okay, so now going up to the children. So we've kind of, we have this adult. So let's just normalize this behavior real quick. Like it's a human experience. Now let's break down some frequently said things by children and what they could mean behind that. And these are all things that my children have said, and we've dug a little deeper. And I've noticed that this is their actual experience that they're trying to communicate with me. So let's take the very generic, very popular, I don't like this. So here are some interpretations of this, what our child could actually be trying to convey to us. I wasn't expecting this. I don't understand this. I wanted something different. This is new and it doesn't feel safe or it doesn't feel right. I'm feeling uncomfortable about this. I'm not used to this. I'm not ready to try this. I was hoping for something different. All of those things. And what comes to mind to me is food, where you put something in front of your child and I don't like this. So often I've learned if I pause and I remember to not take it personally (laughs) and get curious about my child's experience when I'm in a good state of mind, right? I can say, huh, were you hoping for something different? Yeah, I wanted chicken tonight. Oh, you were hoping for chicken and we're having pasta. See, it's totally, it's a totally different scenario there. And that's for an older child. But just know that might be difficult for like a three or four-year-old. My four-year-old does it with me, but all kids are different. But seeing past that and not taking it personally and staying curious about what their experiences can help develop that more nuanced conversation. So since this is uh, inspired by the start of school, let's take the I hate school. Could mean school was hard for me today. Something upsetting happened. I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. I don't like something specific, a certain activity, a certain lesson. These are things that came up a lot for us last year when my child transitioned to a new school. Then he'd come home and he'd say things like, everyone is mean to me. Nobody likes me. Nobody will play with me. So I'm going to give you how I responded, how you can respond at home. After I responded with what I'm going to share, we figured out oftentimes he meant my friends don't want to play what I want to play. So on the playground, he would feel really frustrated because his friends wanted to play a different game. And this control of like wanting to dictate what people were playing and they weren't on board. He was used to being the leader in his old class. He wasn't the leader in this class. It was a big adjustment for him. I don't like what they're playing. So maybe he doesn't like the game. And now he feels left out and his way of telling me he felt left out, he didn't like what they were playing is nobody will play with me. Everybody's mean to be nobody likes me. Um, This happened too. my friend wanted space today, or my friend felt grumpy, and I was taking it personally. That can happen too. So now that we see that their language, if we dig a little further beneath it, there's a much more nuance to their experience. 
now we can start helping them share and process and hold space for that and maybe even eventually problem solve, which we'll get into. So I want to acknowledge, I want to get into how I responded because I also want to just acknowledge and normalize that, of course, our first reaction when our children share these really strong feelings with us, especially when it's something like nobody likes me, everybody's mean to me, it's very easy for us to have that emotional response. Oh my gosh, who is being mean to my child? That's just, that's normal. Our mama bear, our papa bear gets activated and it's really uncomfortable as parents to see your child in pain, emotional or physical. So that's normal. The, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to them. So we're going to try and get rid of that discomfort, our discomfort in response to our child's discomfort, typically by like two different things, we, or three different things rather. We will try and respond with logic. Well, that can't be true. You have your friend Billy at school. Billy was there today. Okay, so we respond with logic. We can respond with problem solving and fixing. I'm going to call the teacher and we're going to figure this out. Your friend shouldn't be mean to you. Or we can minimize. Well, I'm sure not everybody was mean to you. I'm sure you had one friend there. Or buddy, if they don't want to play with you, just do something different. So here's the thing with all of those. They're super well-intentioned. And I'm sure we've all responded in that way at some point, right? But what they're doing is that we're kind of cutting our child off and we're invalidating their experience. We're telling them that their experience is wrong or it happened differently. And we're also showing them, especially when we jump into fix-it mode, that they can't handle their own problems. We're really taking away an opportunity there for them to experience their own power and to experience their own agency. We don't want to disempower our children by giving off this belief that you can't handle this, you need me to fix it for you. So how do we respond instead? First, check in with yourself. When your child makes a big emotional statement like that, check in with yourself to see how you're feeling. What is your emotional response to that? We've got to recognize our own emotional response and regulate that before we can we can join our child in theirs. What is that feeling that you get when your child starts sharing these big strong statements with you? So of course, none of us like to see our kids struggle, but we can ground ourselves in the knowledge that one, this is an opportunity to connect with our child, to fully listen, to be fully present with them, to tune in and really strengthen our relationship just by being that person, that safe person. Think of that person you call when you're feeling really overwhelmed or really scared. That's what we want to be for our children. And we have the opportunity to build resiliency, but not resiliency in this way of like sink or swim, figure it out, because that's not real resiliency, okay? Real resiliency is built by this belief that I can handle it, I can bounce back by having a safe base. And we get more confident when we know, okay, I've got this solid foundation, I've got this safe base, and we can start building ourselves up. And so childhood is all about that safe base. This is your opportunity to be that person. 
for your child. So it's really an opportunity. Then let's put these statements in developmental context to normalize it and just take the edge off of it. So we know that young children are prone to exaggerated statements, right? Because of their language development. We also know that they're in a very emotional state and even adults tend to speak in absolutes, hyperbolic language when we're feeling emotional. There's probably more to this story. There's probably more to tell. So then let that thought activate your curiosity. Be eager to listen. Oh, tune in, become present, give them your eyes, give them your energy, turn your body towards them. Give them your curiosity. And side note, deeply feeling children, PS, might be intimidated if you like stare them down (laughs) or totally turn your body. Sometimes side by side, like driving in the car, laying in bed at night can be the best time to have these really vulnerable conversations as a side note. But still the presence and the energy is still there and still strong. This core conversation is brought to you by Kaylee's Core Membership. If you feel overwhelmed with parenting, not sure what to do about your child's behavior, find yourself constantly second-guessing what you do, what you say, your overall parenting approach, or maybe you know that you want to parent your child without threats, without shame, without punishment, but really don't understand how to do that, this is for you. My goal in this membership is to give you instant access to a lot of information and also access to me to answer your ongoing and evolving questions as your child grows and develops. So CORE was created from my desire to support parents in an affordable way. One-on-one sessions are limiting for me because of my time. It's finite as much as I try and make it infinite. And they're limiting to most people because of cost. So CORE is less than $20 a month and you get access to my entire library of over 25 workshops, handouts, workbooks, a weekly live Q&A where you submit your questions and I answer them live every week, special guests and more. If you want to learn more about this CORE community to really become that calm, confident parent that you want to be, (laughs) you aspire to be, and your child craves, check out my link. Um, It's in the show notes, or you can just go to kayleekukla.com backslash C-O-R core. Now back to this core conversation. So we activate that curiosity and we can say things like, oh, wow, tell me about that. I'd love to hear more about that. What was that like for you? What did that feel like? Oh, then what did you do? So age is really important here. Development is really important because if I ask a young four-year-old, how do you feel about that? They probably will struggle to answer that question if they even answer that question at all. If they're telling me about mean friends on the playground and then I ask, oh, well, what did you do? That's more concrete. You're more likely to get an answer with a question like that. So if your child doesn't answer the question right away, it might be an indicator that that question might be just like over their language development, over what they understand. So for really young children, what questions, 
what did that feel like? What did you do? Did you like that? Yes or no? Those are easier questions for them to answer. Slightly older kids or really any child, tell me more about that. And they might offer you another nugget. And so then you have something a little more specific to reference for your next question. You can also, if questions are like overloading or you're not sure about what to ask, again, a lot of this is confidence. We're confidently entering into our child's experience with them. We can just reflect or mirror what they're saying back to them. So if they say, nobody would play with me, everyone was mean, I hate school, I have no friends. Okay, that's what they come home and proclaim to you. Um, You can say, oh, wow, everyone was mean today, huh? What happens? So we reflect back what we're hearing from them. As your child shares more, and this could be like one conversation in the car or at the table, it could be multiple little conversations, it could be a deep discussion at bedtime, Um, whenever they're willing and able to express these things to you, remember, they're releasing that emotional experiencing and they're processing it because they're taking this emotional experience where I didn't like how it felt. I felt sad, I felt angry, and we're marrying it with the storytelling piece. And when we marry those two, our emotional experience and the verbal, logical stuff, that's how we process the events. And you, as the parent, are gaining a clearer picture of their experience. Okay, so notice we're not jumping right in and solving the problem or blowing it off. We don't want to expect too much from them. Sometimes kids take a while to process things. It's really surprising. They might come out and say, everybody was mean at me at school today. And then you'll hear them playing with their toys and the figurines are lining up and they're fighting over their space in line. So maybe something happened lining up on their way to the playground that they didn't like. So sometimes it's not as obvious as just a typical sit-down conversation that we may expect to be able to have. So once you start getting that clearer idea of their experience, you may be able to sense if this is enough for them. They just need to vent. They need to blow off some steam. They needed help processing it. I mean, I think we've all made that phone call to a friend and we... I just did this with my mom and my sister this past week. And I was like, guys, I just need help processing this event. I know you can't fix it. You can't solve it. I just need to talk about it. And they did. And it was really helpful for me. So sometimes our kids just need that. You can even ask maybe an older child, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to help you figure it out? I've started to use that with like my seven-year-old. It could also be a teaching opportunity to create some language around what to do for next time. Depending on the age and experience of the child, you can empower them with information. Huh, I wonder what could you say to him next time? I wonder what you could do differently. What would you have liked to do next time? Sometimes our kids might need help. We can say, it seems like you wanted the swing and you didn't know what to do. Hmm. Maybe next time you could ask your teacher. Oh, she was on the other side. Yeah, you could go get her. 
So we're helping them problem solve. Another technique I like to use for this is I'll relate to my child's experience. Sometimes, especially now my seven-year-old, I'll tell him, you know, I remember when no one wanted to play this game with me on the playground. Here's an idea of what I did. Or I remember not how disappointing it felt to not be the line leader. I loved being the line leader because I always got to pick where I sat when we walked into a new room. Why do you like being the line leader? Really, we're relating to our child. They feel fully seen and we're bringing it back to them. So we're helping them develop that self-awareness and problem solving. The goal with these steps of checking in with ourselves and grounding ourselves in understanding and listening with eagerness and curiosity is to one, not over respond to our child's discomfort. They need to feel from us that they are capable beings, that we believe they can handle this. If we over respond, we're letting self-doubt creep in. We're not letting that self-esteem and agency really bulk up. Two, we can strengthen our relationship by seeking to understand their experience relating to them. And three, we can offer support if and when support is needed. Sometimes, like I said, they could just be venting support, you know, instruction or reflection or any of that might not be needed, but sometimes it is, especially if it's a new school, school is new. It's a new social situation. It's a new activity. All of these things, you know, take some trial and error to get figured out. Think of like starting a new job or when you first started a hobby or playing a sport, even as a child or teenager, you know, it takes some practice. And so sometimes we just need to vent about it, get those emotions out and process it. Other times there is some skill building opportunity. And side note, sometimes those things don't have to happen at the same time. If we notice our child is really struggling, let's say, with initiating play, we could look for books about that. In fact, core members, you have a handout on social skills books in the core membership. So those resources are out there. You can go on Amazon and look those out for books about initiating play. So we can just mentally make notes of, huh, this might be something we need to practice when I play together. Might be a dinner conversation. It may be a book we read. You know, all of these things can help give support if support is needed. Now, this advice, let me just say, because I always hesitate about talking on social about this stuff, because It is very different, and this advice is separate from a child being persistently and maliciously and violently targeted in school. This is very different. If your child comes home and tells you so-and-so hit me in the face, the teacher didn't see, you know, those are the type of things teachers, schools, administrators really need to know because clearly that other child needs both children need help in that situation. Okay. So this is separate from that. This is just the generic statements of everybody's mean to me. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to play with me. And just because we're digging past our child's initial statement doesn't mean we don't believe them. Okay. We're not minimizing their experience. It's not that we don't care. We do. We are seeking to better understand their experience. We really do believe it and we believe that there's more to the story. 
And we want to know what that story is so we can figure out how to support them in the ways that they need. So now if your child is five, six, seven, I like to use, and this is a phrase I use with friends, with my husband, with so many people I speak with, okay, do you want to vent about it and just let me know what happened? Or are you hoping for some advice or help? And just by doing the conversation that way, we can start building that language about how we can best support our child. And the last note I want to just point out is that if you feel extreme discomfort around your child's discomfort, if you just can't handle it, if you are so quick to jump in and over respond by trying to fix it, trying to minimize it, doing too much logic, if you feel yourself spiraling emotionally with your child, now look, hurting with them, I get that. I think we all hurt for our children when they hurt, right? But if we spiral with them, that's an indicator that, hmm, there might be something there that we need to reflect on. What is this building, like bringing up for me? Did I feel excluded in school? Did I have a really difficult school experience? Or maybe my opinions about things weren't validated as a child. Like I was forced to, you know, eat a bite of something I really didn't like. And so now my child expressing displeasure is very difficult for me to hear. So just know that when our child really starts experiencing these stronger feelings and verbalizing them, they may have just screamed about them when they were a toddler, but verbalizing them now as an older child may bring up different stuff and just be aware of that. All right. So that is it. I hope that this was super practical for you all. I am thinking about everybody in this community as we go into this next school year. I'm right there with you. My kiddos are starting second grade and kindergarten, which is kind of mind blowing. Uh, So I totally get it. But wishing everybody a happy and healthy start to the new school year. Thank you so much for joining this core conversation. If you'd like to learn more about my core community, where you can get to know your child's behavior better, you can gain confidence as a parent, you can gain clarity on your parenting goals and your core values and how to use those to build in boundaries without using threats or shame or punishment. Core is just such an affordable way to do that. And you get to connect with like-minded parents on an instant basis, on a weekly basis, whenever you want to. You can learn more about that by going to my website, www.kayleekukla.com backslash core, C-O-R, which stands for Centered on Relationships. Thanks so much for being here, guys. I appreciate you so much. If this episode was helpful for you, please leave a review, a rating that just helps our reach. It helps us reach more parents so they can have access to this resource as they navigate their parenting journey, because I really strongly believe to my core that this is how we're going to change the world. So thank you so much for being here. Have a great week. 